It's time for Atomic Monsoon with your hosts, Psycho Andy. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Josh. It doesn't matter what your name is. And Jedi Stephanie. Oh yeah. And now, it's Atomic Monsoon. Hey everybody, welcome to Atomic Monsoon. This is Andy, and I'm all by myself. Well, I would be all by myself. Stephanie had some stuff going on this week, and so I thought, well, we could either not have an episode, or I could call a friend. So I called my buddy Robert Clark Chan of Knowing Us Half the Podcast and AE Doubleback, and and he agreed to come talk with me today about uh, professional wrestling, which Stephanie never wants to talk about. What's going on, Chan? I'm usually on the other end of this. So I wanted to give you the space to do an intro as you would normally. But if this were my podcast, about 30 seconds ago, I would have immediately jumped in with all by myself. Don't want to be all by myself anymore. Okay, I feel good. I feel okay. better. I got that out okay. of my system. Okay. I, 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 you know, I, I did consider that and I thought I just don't want to record myself crying by accident. So no, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. I, yeah. I have been told that, uh, that my voice makes people cry. That Children. is not what I meant at all. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but it, but it was, it was, I mean, all right. It's not going to stop me just so you know. Oh, no, please don't I stop. I mean, you know, I, at some point, stop singing because I don't want to. I don't want to have you know the record industry hitting me up for <laughs> royalties. But <laughs> yeah, this is gonna get DMCA'd real quick. Oh, I, listen, there's some things we've done on this show that I'm kind of surprised we haven't already. So, so Chan, you, uh, uh, I was actually just on Knowing Is Half the Podcast a couple weeks ago. Indeed, um, you were a fine your, guest. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's part of your theme song throwdown, although I haven't been on an episode proper yet. We should uh, make work on yes. making that happen. I uh, tell uh, you what, uh, Ray and I are definitely into having guests on. Gina, not so much. She's a uh, quiet, quiet, introspective soul. Doesn't doesn't uh, <laughs> make friends easily. So, you know. Gina Ippolito, who we had here on Atomic Monsoon back in March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she mm-hmm. may have seemed friendly, but I tell you, oh, my God, she, behind the scenes, she's a monster. Absolute monster. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I will. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that, please. Thank God. I, I mean, I won't tell her. I can't promise she won't listen to this. I can promise that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. She doesn't listen to our stuff. She doesn't listen to stuff she's on. She That that woman works. That's she, true. Look, That's we're all true. sitting around gabbing. She's, she's off in a Zoom room somewhere writing network comedies. If only we could all be so lucky, right? I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, listen, she's getting paid to talk on Zoom in her pajamas all day. Although there is that. I don't know. I don't know what you're wearing, but uh, maybe <clears throat> I, I'm sitting here not. Look, <laughs> I wear jorts and a Hawaiian shirt literally every day of my for, for the past, let's say, 10 years. It's been pretty much that all the way through. Man, if you uh, can rock that. Uh, more power that's fantastic more power to you know what no one's ever said that i've rocked it but in my head (laughs) i'm rocking it i mean i've been black t-shirt and blue jeans since about 1998 so nice yeah you know yeah uh i i switched over basically from that uh to this a while back mostly because like having that front pocket oh my god you can put so many things in there that's Uh, very true that's when i do wear a pocketless shirt i keep reaching trying to put stuff into my nipples and it's 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 an ugly sight <laughs> so we're almost five minutes in we haven't said a single word about professional wrestling this is i don't know if you've listened to <laughs> knowing us half the podcast um or I mean, there's definitely you know, stuff you haven't heard because routinely we will be talking we've talked for an hour and a half before starting a podcast from the moment i hit record to say like okay let's go and then we just start talking and like we never it's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say that I've, Stephanie and I have never done that before, um, <laughs> or, or that maybe we will talk for an extra like two or three hours after we're done recording. Um, <laughs> especially now that it's a pandemic, and and I only see right. my roommate, and she only sees her husband. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. If I get you're it. listening to this podcast, start <laughs> your own podcast. It's wonderful. So many podcasts that I've had, I just did it because I wanted to hang out with my friends. 
Yeah. And it's a it's a great way to do it. Yeah. 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 And then your conversations are on record. And uh mm-hmm. you can always prove to someone that, yeah, no, you did say this six years ago because look, we have the recording. Oh my God, that's so much power. I don't know <laughs> if I can handle it. So in addition to knowing it's half the podcast, you also host the AE Double Back uh Dynamite wrestling recap show or whatever the yes indeed um <laughs> so clearly and and before that, that that show is an evolution of uh the old raw WWE recap, recap. Yeah. yeah yeah so clearly you've been a wrestling fan for a while oh yeah yeah since i was a kid back when my mother would not let me watch and i had to sneak uh my wrestling in oh please tell me more about that <laughs> I mean, there's not much. It's an eight-year-old kid who's like turning on the TV when he's not supposed to just to watch professional wrestling, which is sad. It is real chubby little Robert Clark Chan. Just oh, it's watching you know steroided dudes and speedos punch each other. Fake. That's yeah. not. That's not something you want to tell your grandkids about. And I'm yet- not greatest generation. This is the saddest <laughs> generation. Oh. But yeah, like as a kid, it was, I mean, there's, there's superheroes. That's what I right. should say. That is what, that was my first experience with wrestling in the mid eighties with Vince McMahon's WWF, which is a specific kind of wrestling. There's a lot of different kinds of wrestling in the same way. There's a lot of different kinds of music and, you know, like not everybody's right. going to be real into, you know, uh, hip hop or country or new metal, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and, but this, it is the mo- most successful and fabulously powerful, you know, wrestling organization in the world. So yeah, right. They're doing right. something right. I mean, it would be, would be the pop music of professional wrestling then, right? Yeah. 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 And back then, like he, you know, decided like, I'm going to get kids. I'm going to turn this thing that used to be like, people would watch it seriously as a sport, you know, like in the fifties, like they took right. this business serious. Like people would get stabbed. Like uh bad guys would get stabbed oh, yeah. because fans were so incensed at the things they did. So by the eighties, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hook up with MTV with Cindy Lauper. I'm going to have a cartoon. Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling is one of the worst things you can imagine <laughs> putting into your eyeballs. And Hulk Hogan is voiced by Ray Romano, not Ray Romano. Um, no, Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett. It was his first gig in Hollywood, I believe. Yeah, from Everybody Loves Raymond. And yeah, yeah, Ray's uh, uh, older brother, Robert. Yeah, that blew my mind <laughs> when I first heard it. You know, I uh, yeah when I when I learned that it was it was Brad Garrett, I was like, is it? And I went back and listened to more of the the cartoon, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that is definitely not Hulk Hogan, and it is definitely. I mean, it's it's him not doing the Robert voice, but like that's definitely the same guy. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'd think to yourself, like they, uh, the WWF made this show. They have the wrestlers. Why wouldn't they just have the wrestlers do their own voices? Which, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Except then you realize, like, oh, except it was the '80s, and record. You couldn't just bring your iPhone with you to record the, <laughs> the voices, right? Like you, there, there weren't like portable recording studios. So I, I'm, although I guess it was the WWF and they were bringing those cameras with them from town to town to shoot all the promos. So never mind. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely could have done <laughs> it. The have. reason why I guarantee you they didn't because one of the high points of my life was several years back. Oh gosh, probably almost 10 years now. I was doing a sketch show in Los Angeles at the second city Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And we got Rowdy Roddy Piper as a guest. He mm. was a guest on our sketch show i wrote a sketch for him i got to perform in that sketch with him rowdy roddy piper is one of my idols like Mm -hmm, uh, just mm -hmm. just a fabulously wonderful and amazing entertainer performer just such a seminal person in my pantheon and he was terrible (laughs) at the at the job of being a sketch comedian like he couldn't remember a line and I had to end up rewriting the sketch where basically I took all of his lines and then he just sort of like responded. Okay. And it was fabulous. It was amazing. It was, a, it was an amazing show. He's, he is still amazing, but like sure. wrestlers by and large are really good at what they do and kind of nothing else. So like, I'm yeah. sure at some point it was like, Oh yeah, I could just get Hulk Hogan uh, in there and do his own voice. And Hulk was probably like, uh, uh, man, this, what uh let, let me brother tell you something brother 
why would he say brother here, brother? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So the mid 80s rock and wrestling era was that was your introduction to pro wrestling? Yeah, it was like the biggest okay. thing I remember was when Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage, mm-hmm. crushed Ricky Steamboat's windpipe. And like, oh here, again, as, as a kid growing up in the 80s, the number of Asians that you can find in televisions and movies. Oh, yeah. Super limited. Yeah. Basically, you have yeah. Kung Fu movies and kind of that's it. Yeah. The uh, Kung yeah. Fu movies, Godzilla movies, like basically imports. There's nobody mm-hmm. on television. There's like uh, there's like one character on Happy Days, you know. So like right. when I saw Ricky Steamboat, I'm like, oh, my D- Ricky, the dragon steamboat. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. He's Hawaiian, but yeah, like, you know, of large yeah. age and descent. Yeah. And um, yeah. And when Savage crushed his windpipe, uh, air quotes, obviously. It was, uh, right, right. But it was it's... like, I'm like, oh, my God, this, what have you done? And I didn't get to see the blow off uh, pay-per-view match until years later on videotape or whatever. Sure. Because, yeah, back in the day, it, it, an eight-year-old kid is not going to have, I don't know, was 20, 30 bucks for a pay-per-view. Right. So, yeah. 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 Uh, but it was... Yeah, that was like huge for me and like got me so invested uh, in like these stories of uh, big sweaty dudes punching each other, which, you know, it's not for everybody, but no, it's got it. I mean, it's it's all of the investment you get from uh, sports. Like if you're, you know, watching sports, you're like, oh, yeah, our team got a goal. You know, most people can at least identify with that if, you know, maybe they're not a huge football fan or a hockey fan or whatever. But like that emotional investment. But because they can tell stories, then you don't ever or in theory, you don't have the real disappointing matches where there's a blowout. Somebody gets an injury and, you know, like this, this kind of sucked. And, you know, you're just sitting around going, oh, well, that was a that was a real letdown. You it's can true. write like, it. So it's always going to be, you know, rooting yeah. for the guy and then they win. Hooray. You know, right. You know, I, I've I've had this conversation with a lot of friends who who like the the UFC and the MMA and everything, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna get this fight. Do you want to come? Do you want to pitch in?" And I'm always like, "No," because a, you know, like as as violent as wrestling can be, it's all like at least WWE stuff is all kind of cartoony violence, and right. like I know that these guys are gonna be back and having a match the next night, you know, whereas right. like boxers and and mixed martial artists and stuff, they're all having you know two or three matches a year, tops. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they're actually injuring each other. And like, I, I, I don't know, call me call me a, a pacifist, but like, I don't want to watch people actually injure each other. You know, I, I want I want the stage choreography. The other thing is, you know, you pay 50, 60, 70, 100 bucks, whatever, for these pay-per-views. Some of those main events are over in 45 seconds. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're paying, you know, three dollars a second for some of these fights. And, <laughs> you know, pro wrestling, that main event's always going to be at least 10 minutes now. You know, in some cases, that 10 minutes is going to include entrances, Goldberg. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least and then the undercard is always going to have some good matches, too. You know, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I'm 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 more in favor of the the choreography and the, the staged violence than the actual thing s- simply to get my money's worth out of it. And there's a yeah, um, like I'm saying, there's an enormous variety of styles of wrestling yeah. uh, because, yeah. yeah on the uh, WWE end, you have stuff that is cartoony and like they, they in the uh, around 2000 or so, maybe a little bit earlier, Vince McMahon decided that he wanted to become like the biggest television show period, not right. just the best wrestling show or the most, the biggest wrestling show. Uh, he wanted to like be as big as NCIS or keeping up with the Kardashians or whatever. And so the product became very influenced by television, like drama and, and reality shows. They actually have a, a, a fairly decent crop of reality shows where, you know, we're blurring this line between the character and the person. And one of the really fun things about pro wrestling these days is that there is this strange mix and crossover of uh, uh, what is real and what is not real in a business that was built on fakery. Yeah. They've yeah. done it in this new weird way that sometimes hits, sometimes doesn't, but it's, I mean, in terms of it, it, it's an interesting art form and a, an expression of, uh, of the human experience. Agreed. Yeah. 
Yeah. So okay. So different. You know, WWE has their 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 pop music, their kind of cartoony violence. Mm. Um, you are the host of the AEW back. So how would you compare AEW's wrestling to WWE's then? AEW basically takes old Southern wrestling, okay. the old territory days. You know, like I said, like back in the fifties, people took this stuff seriously. By about the seventies, in the late seventies, kind of early eighties, Southern wrestling, territory wrestling when there used to be a bunch of small promotions, Mm -hmm. there was the NWA that was sort of an umbrella organization over a lot of small territories and a lot of different States. A wrestler could, you know, like work in a territory. It could work in, you know, uh, Ohio and, you know, become uh, real big. And like, if he's a a heel, he could, you know, like work this program where he's going to take down the top guy. He could, he gets beaten and then, you know, kind of like, Oh, well, you know, He's just not as good as the hero or whatever. Then he could go to another town and do the whole thing again and build mm-hmm. himself up as this monster heel or whatever. And, you know, get beaten, like make a lot of money and then move on and do the same shtick all over the place. So, right. And because because everything was localized to, you know, your state or just even your major market, right? You're you're like your upstate New York. I mean, I guess New England is not the best case, but your your northern California, your southern California mm-hmm. are not necessarily going to be the same fans going to every show. Yeah. So. Because you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of television. There's some, but right. a lot of it is people going to this live show. And there's there's some newsletters, but not sure. a lot. So, like, right. you're not actually – you don't know what's going on over there. So they could do the same thing over and over again. Right, and, yeah. And you and have really, this whole career where, yeah, you, yeah and, you only do the same four things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you, you hone know. it so that you're you're the best at this character that you've created. Right. And then you can, you know, do the same thing over and over again. You know, like – and it works. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so like a lot of that is sort of much more grounded than this cartoony style of like WWE. They're, they're basically selling you on the idea that this person is genuinely upset at this other person, or this person is genuinely going to beat them up for money. That's the, Mm -hmm. you know, job of a a boxer, you know, a combat person or whatever, you know, like you're going to put on a show and, and beat the crap out of this person because that's what you do to make a living. That's what you're good at. And so AEW manages to do that in a modern way. They're okay. Um, okay. they're just really good at at sort of doing that bare bones. Like this is what I do. I'm good at what I do. We're gonna fight because you know I just have to prove that I'm that good. Or you know like uh, you knocked me over backstage. You know you were a real jerk to me, and so now I want to fight you because I am really mad at you. Or you know even a more involved storyline like Eddie Kingston and uh, John Moxley, you know, like we've been on the indie circuit for, you know, 20 years, man. And then you sold out to the WWE and now you're here and I'm going to teach you a lesson. And people, you know, a lot of these wrestlers who have worked the indie circuits, you know, for so long mm-hmm. worked in these house shows and just to a crowd of 300 people, you know, they, they have the skill to basically, you know, like any stage performer, like sure. I'm going to make you believe what I'm what I'm saying, even if it's you know a French drawing room drama, you know someone is or, or you know like if uh, someone's playing Tartuffe, a really good actor will draw you in, make you want to you know watch them, and so yeah, okay. these people are are doing it in a very specific way, and AEW does a really good job of conveying that kind of emotion that WWE really doesn't. Yeah. I would say that that's pretty true. Yeah, yeah. I also, you know, one of the things that I, I've noticed about AEW is, is, like you said, a lot of these guys have been on the indie circuits for a long time, and they've really gotten the chance to own these characters and 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 hone these characters. Mm-hmm. And when these guys get signed to WWE, it seems like the mm-hmm. WWE creative team, their their writing staff, as it were, mm-hmm. who are, from what I can tell, mostly people that kind of failed in Hollywood. Not necessarily. I mean, I will I mean, say that I know a handful of people who have worked for WWE as okay. writers, a lot okay. of comedy people. And that's it's right. not that they're like not successful. It's just okay. that the business is really diverse and there's a lot of jobs you can have. And a lot of even, you know, you okay. can work on uh, the biggest show in television, like two and a half men or whatever. Sure. And eventually that job is over. You got to do okay. something else. Okay. And enough. those jobs that you get before then are all leading up to, you know, your big job or whatever, you know, it's like, all sorts of crazy stuff. So like it's, it's, yeah, I w- t- that is to say that it's not that they're failed writers or bad writers or anything like that. Uh, when WWE goes wrong, it's almost always the fault of Vince McMahon who has a very <laughs> specific view of what he wants out of his product, which right. is 
again, not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but he has an idea and for better, or for worse, kind of like Saturday Night Live. Mm. It's real successful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they make bad creative choices constantly. I would argue 95 percent of the time in both SNL and WWE, but it's still successful. So like, you know, when someone has a really good idea, I'm like, oh, I have a way to, you know, get this wrestler over. Alex, we tell a real interesting story. It's entirely possible that Vince says no, because that's not what we do. And okay, fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, you know, well, and uh, you know, to a certain point there, there's always in the same way that there's different styles of wrestling, you need different styles of wrestling show, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't mean to characterize the audience, but WWE is, is for your intro level wrestling fan, right? Like this is your easiest to get a hold of thing. Um, in the same way that, you know, there are there are sitcoms that are, you know, Two and a Half Men or or Big Bang Theory that are really successful, but people who have been watching a lot of TV or write comedy or whatever kind of look down on those shows yes. and, and then are drawn to, like, you know, Community or The Good Place or kind of those higher concept shows. Yep. But you still need, you need those introductory sitcoms or, or wrestling shows because it's going to be someone's first show. Right. Absolutely. Someone, yeah. someone has never seen all these hackneyed jokes before because they've never watched these kinds of shows. Yeah. 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 One of the things I like about AEW is that yeah. uh, within a given show, it feels like there are four or five different shows. Yeah. WWE true. <laughs> has their one product again, like uh, um, it, it is Vince's vision uh, in AEW. They allow wrestlers the opportunity to take control of their own thing. And so you have people who really excel at comedy and you have people that really excel at the, you know, just the hard driving, you know, like I'm a badass kind of thing. And uh, all, all these gradations in between and they bounce around. Like there was a musical number on AEW about a month ago that they just played straight and it was kind of terrible, but it was also <laughs> just bonkers. And I did not see that a way that I couldn't even begin to describe it. I mean, uh, they were just doing a normal backstage segment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Jericho and MJF. And, oh, you know, sure. they're just of like, those two. yeah, yeah, they're just <laughs> talking to each other and they were, you know, like mad at each other. And they just boom, the back wall just blows open and there are dancers, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in a ballroom. And you're like, are, are they are uh, MJF and uh, Chris Jericho excellent ballroom dancers they are not are they excellent singers they are not uh was the writing a little chintzy uh sure you know it was uh, um me and my shadow and they like replaced all of the lyrics uh, talking about you know various wrestlers and whatnot like that and so like uh from from a purely creative or theatrical standpoint you'd be like well that's i mean that's not real great in terms of professional wrestling who who has ever it got a write-up in the new york times for god's (laughs) sakes why would there be a musical number in a wrestling show ever exactly and they did it and i mean one of the things that's so amazing about professional wrestling is that there's so much chutzpah on screen every Mm -hmm. single week Mm -hmm. one of the great things about like i've always been a fan of the bad guys part of the reason for that is because it's, it's in many respects like pure id like you can do whatever you want if you didn't have you know if you didn't feel like oh i don't I feel i feel like it was stupid or i feel like it would be bad i don't want to do i don't want people to feel think bad about me like these characters are like doing things that you would never do in real life right for example having a goddamn musical number in the middle <laughs> of a show well i i i think it's safe to say that that has never happened in a wrestling show before and you know what they did it because they sort of gave him that leeway and that kind of creative freedom is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you said it was Chris Jericho, like, of course, right. The guy, first of all, the guy's in a rock band, a a fairly successful rock band. Yeah. So, okay. He's got the musical talent and and the vocal chops to, to do a musical number. Mm -hmm. Again, I didn't see the segment, but like, I wouldn't imagine that. I wouldn't expect that uh, he would be going rat pack style. I don't know that uh, 60s lounge singer is quite his metier, but you know what? (laughs) Like the again, the the fact that they they did it was already right. enough. Right. Already. Well, and then and then Jericho in his last WWE run, like this is the guy that got over a scarf, right? Uh, he got the yeah. fans to cheer and boo for a scarf. He got over, <laughs> you know, you just made the list, right? Mm-hmm. And writing people's name down on a piece of paper. The dude yeah. got over the word it. 
right? <laughs> like he had a whole thing where he was like, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get it. <laughs> and and got to the point where people were losing their minds, you know, yeah. over the word it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, when you tell me that's the guy that's doing a musical number out of nowhere, yeah, okay, that yeah. tracks. <laughs> uh, and yeah, well, when I say there are like four or five shows in AEW, Jericho mm-hmm. is a show unto himself. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even, and in fact, most of the time when there is a segment, like he'll pitch a segment for next week and be like, and next week we're going to do X. I'm like, why would you do that? That is dumb. Uh, there's no, re- nobody talks like that in real life. That is uh-huh. not a, you know, like there's this wrestler over here who's like talking as if he were, you know, in a bar and about to knock your head off. And mm-hmm. I feel that. And I believe that from this person. Uh, and and he's like, yeah, and we're going to have a hot tub match. I'm like, what? That No, that's just, <laughs> why are you even, I am offended that you would do that and that I have spent my time watching. And then next week comes along. I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I, I don't yeah. want to like this, but it was a lot of fun. And like, that's, I mean, that's, that's all it is at the end of the day. It's just fun. You want to have fun? I mean- yeah. watch professional wrestling at the end of the day it's a tv show like any other tv show right yeah. except except it's live and you can go to it so you yeah. know you're not going to be on the set of game of thrones or, or breaking bad or anything right like <laughs> i have been on the set of Bur- I mean, game of thrones okay okay <laughs> i've been on sets <laughs> but, but mr hollywood would, here yeah yeah hotels <laughs> Listen, oh. you're not gonna you're not gonna show up to the the game of thrones set holding up a uh you know let's go daenerys sign or anything <laughs> you really ought to, though. I mean, um, you get that chance. Also, yeah. also, if you get to, if any anyone listening gets to LA, go watch a taping of Let's Make a Deal. Yeah. To a lesser extent, Price is Right, but like some of that stuff is, ju- it is real, real fun, like in a way that you couldn't imagine mm. just watching on TV. I mean, last time I went to LA was, was last Thanksgiving. I went to visit some family. I tried to get on a podcast, but uh, apparently I got hot shotted by a bunch of hosts. So. <laughs> Uh, sorry. Uh, you know, you, ca- you come back when you get more, uh, uh, Instagram followers, you know, we, uh, oh, we got yeah. a standard to maintain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have gone up. I've got, I've, I've gotten probably five or six more Instagram followers since last uh, year. So. That's probably more than we have. <laughs> I haven't checked. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So Chan, who yes. would you say, I mean, you mentioned Ricky Steamboat being like your first guy, but, uh, if you had to pick one guy, or, or or lady to be your all-time favorite wrestler who would that be well yeah and, uh, uh yeah like ricky steamboat was he probably was my first uh great love uh mm-hmm. rowdy roddy piper again was like so oh, sure. just like right. oh my god it's so amazing oh gosh there's there's a lot of great people that i've uh been a fan of but the number one for me like in terms of like hero status and like icons and i want to be like you someday when i grow up is mm-hmm. mick foley okay um, okay He's a guy who's just like just full of passion for the business and life in general. He's this hulking guy who just looks like a looks like a train wreck. Uh, But like one of his biggest thing, uh, favorite things is Christmas time and and being Santa. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he does like all kinds of charity work. He's been like a. does a ch- charity work for like rain and has for you know 20 more 20 or plus years um mm-hmm. and the thing that like i was always a f- fan of him i had been a fan of him when uh, i first i watched wrestling in the 80s dropped sure. off started right. watching again in the late 90s when you know the attitude era was a thing sure. okay. and like okay. i'm like what is this dude mankind is the character mm-hmm. i mean like we're in like a weird leather gimp mask and he just sort of like limps to the ring and like what's happening but like the promos he would cut were just amazing and the stuff he would do in the ring like it was about commitment you could see like every single move he made was committing to the craft and to the art of professional wrestling yeah i would agree you know there are some people that are just like naturally gifted like uh dwayne johnson the rock like he just he exuded this this energy that mm-hmm. you could feel, but like Mick Foley always just felt like he was busting his ass and like he had none of the gifts. He didn't look like a wrestler, you know, a roided no, out guy. Mick Foley looked like your guy, your your friend's dad that was trying to still be cool. Yeah, yeah, 
but like, but and I don't he, mean that insultingly. Like that's just no. you know that is a look that people have, and and Mick Foley fits into that. I mean, he looks like a, yeah. you know, he also kind of looks like a teddy bear that you had as a kid that you still have. Like he's all beat up, he's missing teeth, you know, half of his ear <laughs> is missing for just from playing too hard, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, at the base of that, he's got these comedy chops that are yeah. impressive, yeah. and he so he started playing this character, Mankind. Then he started playing Dude Love, which was this character that he had created, you know, like in his teenage years. He was like, I'm going to someday be like this super cool, like good looking, you know, uh, hotshot wrestler. All the girls going to love me and all the guys are going to be afraid of me. Yeah. Dude so love. He, starts, he starts dressing like that and playing this other character, which at the time, you know, like we're starting to play fast and loose with uh, what they call kayfabe. You know, like right. uh, um, people started admitting like, OK, you know, this is a show. It's not right. real. Right. But then, you know, then he comes out with uh, a third character, Cactus Jack, who was a character that he had played sort of on the indies in the hardcore mm-hmm. uh, matches in like Japan, Japanese death matches where there's barbed wire, where yeah. there are explosives in the ring, where yeah. they're shattering uh, fluorescent light bulbs over each other, you know, like crazy banana stuff. And then, you know, so like there's all of this happening and then there's Hell in the Cell with the undertaker yeah and yeah they climb Boy. up this cage that's 20 feet off the ground mm-hmm. and you know like we're sitting there watching this like that's bananas okay well let's let's see where this goes and like two minutes in undertaker throws him off the cage throws him off the cage he just goes flying smashes through a desk and we're just like what oh yeah. my god like the, yeah. you know um I think it's uh, most people sort of understand that you're like, yes, okay, wrestling is fake, but you know, there's a, a possibility of injury. In fact, wrestlers get uh, injured often, and most yeah. of the time are wrestling injured because yeah. even, you know, when you're real good at this, you're still like slamming your body into plywood, you know, two inch thick plywood just multiple times a, a night. Right. And like a you know, thin layer of padding over it. Yeah. Yeah. You're working yeah. 250, 300 days a year. You know, so like imagine if you, you know, if your nine to five job was sort of like slamming yourself into the wall repeatedly, like you're going to get these nagging injuries that build up and, you know, concussions, just endless concussions and stuff. So, you know, like when he throws him off the cage, like there's nothing, there's no special effect to that. You just see a man falling 20 feet onto a table, which is made of wood and the table breaks his fall like that's the soft thing that he's landing on is right. you know a hardwood table and then through the table onto a concrete floor yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. i believe the padding stopped before the ta- it hit the table so there was mm-hmm. no pad and even if there was what's what's an inch of padding gonna do on that concrete floor from that height yeah. right yeah, yeah. like yeah. go ahead no. and like uh find your uh, climb up to the second story of a building, you know, or like uh, on the roof of a two story building and sort of look down and say like, you know, would I be willing to jump off that for my art? And like, that is what cemented it for me is that like uh, Mick Foley loves his art so much that he's willing to do that to himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like, that is what I want to do with my life is I want to be able to commit that much to the thing that i love okay 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 not jumping off cages not getting thrown through the cage like not oh boy not even here's the thing there are pictures in existence of me jumping off things there was there may have been a flaming table and ladders involved in a backyard maybe not saying for sure but i definitely have those pictures of myself as a stupid young kid I don't know if you know this about me, but I do have a a surgically repaired left ACL uh, thanks to some backyard shenanigans. So good man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Mick Foley is the, is the, the person you would want to aspire to as a wrestler. But as far as the, not to degrade everything you just said, because it was great, but (laughs) who would be your favorite wrestler taking all the personality of it aside? uh, Just, just the in ring action. Who's your favorite guy to watch that way? Oh, gosh. Uh, I really should have stopped and thought about this before coming on, because it seems like a fairly basic question that you should know. It's, uh, certainly uh, one of my all-time favorites is Tajiri. Okay. Uh, he was a uh, Yoshihiro Tajiri. Yeah. He was a, a Japanese wrestler and yeah. also a 
in the WWE in the late 80s. Um, he was in ECW. ECW was an amazing promotion that had an outsized influence on the business. It really did, yeah. Arguably yeah. the reason why the Attitude Era became a thing and then became the biggest thing. Uh, it was just like a, yeah. a scrappy little, you know, uh, um, a fed that play uh, wrestled out of a bingo hall. Uh, and... It was a, a, it was mostly the storytelling. The guy who ran it, Paul right. Heyman, is a genius. Like he understands uh, wrestling, yeah, and how to get people to buy into things. And so he just did this. He just sort of like made it cool, like this extreme thing that you know, like the the, the aesthetic was like uh, very very terrible late nineties. You know, like chung chung yeah. chung chung, but. Uh, at the base of it, like he understood how to get people emotionally invested in things and then let these wrestlers who, yeah, d didn't work this cartoony WWE style do their thing. And some of them were like luchadors from Mexico. And yeah. some of them came from Japan where they work a sort of a worked shoot style that is intended not to look like, you know, ballet or, you know, gymnastics. It's intended to look like I am punching you legitimately really hard. And the way they accomplish that many times is by legitimately punching someone real hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, like so like uh yeah, Tajiri had a had this really amazing combination of things that looked like they hurt and also like some silly gymnastic stuff that was just okay. super yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. And didn't speak much English, but he didn't have to though. No, no, he was great. Yeah. Speaking of Oscar, currently, yeah. I was real sad that we had to stop watching WWE. It was at the point where, basically, like Vince McMahon has done so many horrible things. Yeah. He and Donald Trump get along because they're both cut out of the same cloth. Right. Arguably, um, I, I don't want to not to get into a big political thing, but like. You know, there are certain types of people in the world, and those types of people tend to end up running in the same circles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, he's done a lot of bad things over the years, and a lot of it is just sort of built up. And it got to the point where when they bribed the state of Florida to allow them to continue to film their shows as, as quarantine was locking everything down, I was like, mm -hmm. nope, I'm out. I cannot take another, you know, like... um all, all of the shows in Saudi Arabia where they're getting paid $10 million to sort of paper over all of the human rights abuses uh, yeah. and like all yeah. of the union busting they do, all the horrible, like contractually now, the things they're doing to their wrestlers, like they're taking yeah. away, uh, the a lot of the wrestlers have like Twitches, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, that's, and, and social media outlets where, you know, like they can actually make some money because right. WWE pays a lot, but not to everybody, not in the same way. And, you know, like, man, if you can make money doing Twitch, why wouldn't you? But right. WWE took it away and still tries to call them independent contractors. So they yeah. don't have to pay for benefits. Yeah. See, that's if it's either your guys are independent contractors or they're not like make mm -hmm. up your mind, because if they're, if someone's an independent contractor, great. That means that they all they have to do is show up. They have to show up and the thing you ask them to do has to get done, right? Yeah. And under true independent contracting, it doesn't even have to be that person who does it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, professional wrestling is, is you know, it's a, it's a performance thing, right? So like, yeah, okay, it has, if we're going to advertise, you know, X wrestler is going to be here, then like this wrestler has to show up, right? You can't just be like, well, you know, we said that, uh, I don't know, AJ Styles is going to show up and instead we get uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, that's that. Okay, but <laughs> let's not say no, no, no. about Steve Lombardi. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, a I mean, okay, not I, a decent I, wrestler. He, I'm sure I, he's a good person. I would like to believe they're all good people. I know that many of them are not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I will say that in in my you know any interactions I've had with wrestlers have mostly been positive. So yeah. uh, you know we'll go with that, uh, including mm -hmm. AJ Styles. As a matter of fact, uh, oh, he was. Good. Kind enough when I when I met him when he was still in TNA. Uh, there's a photo of me with the TNA championship that he was Aww. holding at the time. So you know that was pretty neat. Yeah, he's, he seems like a decent guy. Teresa loves yeah. AJ Styles, so okay. I yeah. I hate to hear that he was a mean person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? 
you know, as you said, these people are are <laughs> running around and falling down on a piece of plywood over and over again. Yeah. There any any individual fan interaction, either right before, right after that, who knows what kind of mood they're in, you know, exactly. psyching themselves up for that or or having just gone through it. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, uh, uh uh where was I going? Oh, independent contracting, right. Mm-hmm. So like the thing about like I've been an independent contractor before, right? I'm a graphic designer. There have been plenty of times like none of the people that have hired me to do graphics for them have ever said, oh, by the way, you can't do anything else to make money from any other person. Right. Because at, at <laughs> yep. that point, you're an employee. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, make up your mind. Uh, uh, yeah. Are and- they independent contractors or are they your employees? And if they're your employees, then uh, pay them as such. And the unfortunate thing is that the entire pro wrestling pro wrestling came from carnivals where they the idea was that they were going to dupe you out of your money right um they would do a thing um where they would just come into town and be like if you can beat this guy you know we'll uh uh, give you a hundred bucks or whatever and then they would have someone working with them to be like oh you know go in and and beat this guy for you and like do it and then you know the yokels would be like, Oh yeah, well, if that guy could do it, I could totally do it. And then they would, you know, get, they would get twisted up. And that right. was, that was the game. So like, yeah, it started out as uh, just, just nothing but lies. So the fact that it's still like that and they're still manipulating and being terrible, it kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah, but I also, guess you can't be terribly surprised. <laughs> yeah. It's 2020. There's a 20 point test for uh, if someone is an independent contractor or an employee and mm-hmm. I believe uh, WWE fails at 17 of those 20. So there's I think, no yeah. doubt that they're independent contractors. And yeah, like I said, they've been busting unions forever. They've created a culture where if anybody talks about a union, they get shut down by the other wrestlers because yeah. everybody's afraid that they'll never work again. Right. And it's right. real sad and disappointing. All of which say is that Vince McMahon is terrible. I feel bad for uh, the WWE wrestlers. In general, wrestling is a real tough gig for everybody. So, you know, yeah. just a blanket. Yeah. I feel for you all. <laughs> Thank you for doing Thank you for your service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and part of it is is prior to the last 20 years, you know, we didn't have access to as much background stuff on the business as we've had, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, hey, 80s and 90s, yeah, we didn't know that this stuff was going on. Right. We just we all we did, we saw the TV show. Right. And and that's what we watched. And we liked our guys and, and we didn't like some guys. And, and that was it, uh, mm-hmm. guys and girls. I apologize. Wrestling has been so male dominated. <laughs> <laughs> did I mention Oscar? I feel like I was going you to did. mention Oscar. You distracted. did mention Oscar. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so good. Uh, oh, yeah. So, OK, let's go back. To, you said Tajiri uh, was one of your favorite in-ring performers and then Oscar. But then you were sad you had to stop watching WWE. So let's go back oh. to Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that was my point. <laughs> um, uh, watching Oscar is just a masterclass in, I, w- I guess I would say, the art of professional wrestling because she speaks so little English, like the writers will sometimes string together, you know, a dozen words in a row for her to say, you know, on camera. But for right. the most part, she is just, just this spectacle, like the music plays and she swoops on the stage in this amazing getup that is just like full of uh, streamers and fur and glitter and just the most amazing stuff. She wears this, um, I, I think it's a Japanese no mask, maybe possibly a kabuki so, yeah. hard. Yeah. To, I, I don't know, but it's terrifying. And she takes the mask <laughs> off and she's smiling like a maniac, an insane human being. And just, just astonishing that she conveys so much from the, from the first moment you see her down to the ring, through her in ring work, the stuff mm-hmm. she does like, uh, looks like it hurts it conveys emotion it tells stories that's i mean that's another that's you know kind of like you know we i i joke and say it's it's about you know sweaty men punching each other but in essence every match is a story and uh you can break it down like here's the baby face who you know comes out he's a paragon of humanity and whatnot and he gets beaten down by this evil villain heel and then you know he 
he starts to come back then he gets beaten down again then you know the villain cheats to you know knock him back down again but then he makes this comeback and and in the end good stands triumphant that is almost every wrestling match uh except for in a longer story arc where it's sort of broken up over many matches where the hero keeps getting beat down and he finally at the very end of this you know of a months long story arc beats the bad guy and you know you feel your heart is full and you know and and to do that without basically being able to say a word is so impressive especially well, I, mean, I mean to be fair every country is a little bit or a lot bit racist so you know saying that like <laughs> a country like the United States that does not care for foreigners as a general rule to have someone get over like that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and not even the United States, but I mean, if you look at the history, the track record of WWE, just look at the list of champions, you know, any championship that they've had, look at most of them. It's, you can kind of tell, yeah, it's a pretty USA centric promotion. And there's um, a few, a uh, few times when evil foreigners have won the belt uh, and hold it for a little while to eventually be reclaimed by uh, your uh, white blonde champion. Right, right. I mean, Iron Sheik being the most obvious example, but mm -hmm. uh, when I started watching, my, my the thing that got me watching wrestling was when Yokozuna beat Bret Hart for the world title at WrestleMania 9. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'd watched wrestling before, right? But mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, it was just uh, my friends had it on or I was over at Cousin's house or whatever. And like we'd watch, you know, in the, the squash matches on Superstars and Wrestling Challenge and stuff. And mm -hmm. um, but it was it was the morning after WrestleMania 9. All my friends that I used to walk to school with uh, were like, did you see WrestleMania last night? And I was like, no, what happened? And they told me this mm -hmm. amazing story about how Yokozuna, the evil, you know, Japanese in real life Samoan, but we didn't know. <laughs> Japanese sumo wrestler champ, you know, came in and fought Brett the Hitman Hart, the the world champion, and and beat him because Yokozuna's manager threw salt in Bret Hart's eyes. Ah, uh, Mr. And, Fuji. Yeah, oh, rest yeah. in peace, my friend. Oh, he's yeah. a magical man. Um, and then Hulk Hogan came out to help Brett to the back of the ring, or from from the ring to the backstage, and Mr. Fuji challenged Hulk Hogan. Hogan accepted, and when Mr. Fuji went to throw salt in Hulk Hogan's eyes, he instead hit Yokozuna in the face with the salt. And Ow. so Hogan ended up hitting his his leg drop finisher, and one, two, three, won the world championship. That story, and they told a little better, and and you know it's a it's a forty minute you know end <laughs> of WrestleMania, but like that whole thing was the coolest good versus evil come up in story I had heard. You know, I, I would have been uh, this is 1993, right? So however old, I, nine, 10 years old, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it was the coolest thing. And I was like, okay, well, I know wrestling's on Monday nights and it's Monday. So I started watching <laughs> Monday Night Raw basically right after that. And there yeah, you know. like you said, right? It's, it's especially the early 90s, right? Where everyone had this super over the top cartoony character, right? You had your race car drivers and your garbage men and your Mounties and, and you know, your, your Hawaiian guy oh, named crush geez. who wore neon orange. I just uh, remember spark plug, Bob Holly. When you oh, mentioned yeah. race car drivers, like, Oh, oh, Holly. <laughs> oh yeah. <sighs> and so uh, that's why I'll never, like, I can't, you know, even though, some of the stuff at WWE isn't to my taste. I can't dump on all of the cartoony things they do because that's the stuff that drew me in. Yeah. And as I got older, you know, uh, Bret Hart is, would be my favorite in-ring performer because everything he does looks like he's trying to kill somebody. And yeah. according to basically everyone he's ever worked with, he never actually hurt them. So yeah. that's, that was his rep. Was his... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and Bret has his, his real life demons and, and whatever, but like, you know, when you're just talking the character on the show, like, mm -hmm. hey, man, uh, no one, no one better. And it, I was just, you know, <laughs> I was enamored. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, a couple months later, Yokozuna beat Hogan for the title. And that whole rest of 1993 up through WrestleMania 10. Yeah, your evil foreigner heel was the champion waiting for the next, you know, blonde baby face to, to overtake him. And Lex Luger couldn't get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> and then WrestleMania 10 ends with Bret Hart getting his title back. And it was like, this is, this is perfect. Like this is the perfect end to this. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever liked wrestling as much as I did in 93 and 94, but I have not really stopped watching at its best rest. There's almost nothing that can compete with it just because it's so primal, you know, yeah. like the first stories that are being told, you know, uh, around a campfire, 
by you know neanderthals or you know whatever or you know like tales of battle like i yeah he, look here here is how i took down that giant mammoth i grabbed him like this and did this and and the struggle against good and uh, dinner i guess yeah. but, but like it, it really <laughs> struggle for survival yeah yeah, it, it touches something deep down inside of you. And even if you're like, Ugh, this, what is this? this? This man is wearing spandex. What am I even when it's done right? It just touches you in a way that, you know, like nothing else can. Yeah, it. I wear my wrestling phantom on my sleeve. I mean, literally right now I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a cane shirt. Nice. It's but uh, I remember <laughs> I remember one time talking with a friend who knew I liked wrestling, but she never watched. And she and her boyfriend were flipping through channels and they they came on, I don't know, Raw or SmackDown or whatever. And just this, the 30 seconds that they watched, she got so into it that when they went to flip to the next channel, she was like, she was like, I didn't want to like, I didn't care enough to go back, but I kind of wanted to see who was going to win the fight. <laughs> and I have no idea. Like, she didn't know who any of the wrestlers were. So I don't know what match this was. I don't know what. But like, whatever it was, there was there was, you know, 20, 30 seconds or whatever that was just interesting enough to get this, you know, young lady to care about who was going to win this fight. And mm. I, I sometimes wonder what would have happened to her wrestling. Like, would she have become a fan had she had the opportunity to continue watching that match? <laughs> oh, I mean, we'll never so know, close. but <laughs> so close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I would love to keep doing this, but we are a little bit over time. So Chan, where, where, okay, so uh, in addition to your two podcasts, uh, give us uh, their name and your contact info where people can find you and, and more of your wrestling talk. Uh, there's Knowing is Half the Podcast, where we watch old cartoons and, yeah, just talk about the good and the bad, what ages, what maybe should be left behind. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun with uh, Ray Stacanus and Gina Ippolito. Yeah, find that wherever podcasts are sold. Um <laughs> Uh, there's AE Double Back, which is yeah the AEW Dynamite Recap Podcast. We just watch a show, and then you know right afterwards we talk about it. And uh, it's uh, me and Teresa Gumprecht and Calder Holbrook, and that is also a fantastic show. You can find me online at 999 RPMs. Uh, sometimes I tweet uh, on <laughs> Facebook. I guess you try that. I'm pretty public. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of it. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I had a blast. Thank um, you for having me. This is a delight. Yeah, I would love to talk wrestling with you more. So we'll I'm, to, uh... I'm always around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, and everyone else, if you're, if you, I mean, you know, I've, I've made it clear that uh, Atomic Monsoon's ending with episode 100, so you just got a few left. Find us on social media at Atomic Monsoon on Facebook and Twitter, the underscore between the words on Instagram, and email us uh, atomicmonsoon at gmail.com. And please let us know your favorite Atomic Monsoon moments, because that's what we're doing in our last episode, is talking about the best of Atomic Monsoon. All right, everyone, have a great week and stay safe. Bye.